Good morning, church. Good morning, City Life. Good morning, visitors. Good morning to everyone who is here listening. So grateful that you're here. So grateful that you've joined us. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Pedro Ruiz, and I am the lead pastor here at City Life, and we just want to welcome you. If you are new here or checking us out a couple of times or haven't reached out and you've been here for a little bit, hit, hit us up on that I'm new button below. We want to connect with you. Under the notes section, there's this button linked to our I'm new page. I want to get a cup of coffee with you. I want to get to know you. I want to start journeying together. That is at the heart of what we do to meet people, to encounter Jesus in this city. We love to do that. Just a little bit of a set change here. Uh, I have the Christmas tree behind us, obviously, for Christmas. And then also that blue thing right next to it is my lawn chair that we used while we met at the park for virtually all of this year. Just kind of like, wow, remembering here, even in this room, of how good and how faithful God has been that we survived the pandemic in a park. He has been so good to us, and we thank Him. We love Him. Right after today's meeting, uh, right after today's sermon, we have a quick family meeting discussion. It's going to mean a little bit differently here online than it will in person. Uh, but we want to, in every season of our church, be unified under the vision that God has given this church that is beyond what I want to see, is beyond just what any one person wants to see, but was this collective effort of saying, God, what do you want for this church? What's our unique call in this city? Um, so that we know what it is that joining City Life means, what we feel the mission of this church is and has been given to us by the Lord. And so that will come right after the sermon. I will literally just jump right on into it. Um, but we're glad that you're here. And today I want to start off with a story. We are in week three of Advent, and for us, that means we're talking about how Jesus was the origin point of God's perfect love in this world. How before Christ, we never saw it fully, what God meant by love. And then in the person of Jesus, it was all embodied because Jesus is God and he perfectly lived out love in this world. And how love came into this world in the smallest, humblest way possible. Last week, we set up this idea of like, uh, Christmas is audacious. It is ludicrous. It is a big claim to say that the God of the universe, this immaterial spirit, this uncaused causer who is beyond time and space, beyond human logic and everything we could ever fathom, how he stepped into what he created and let his creation raise him, take care of him, birth him, feed him, keep him warm, play with him, wipe away his boogers and his tears. And he just did life with us. Incredible. Unfathomable. And if not for Jesus being real, and it's not, if not for the historical life that we know Jesus lived, and if not for his death and resurrection, man, like, it's too big of a claim. But we believe him to be true. And if he's God, then he brought love into this world. And let's, like, spend time today thinking about what it means. I wanted to read really quick. This is a passage written by an Australian pastor. His name is Adam Ramsey. He wrote this on the Gospel Coalition, and I just really loved it. I felt like it, he, man, like, he has the skill with words that I don't have, and so let me borrow from him for a bit. Adam Ramsey, he writes this. 
a reminder of what Advent really means. He says, as we remember God's promise fulfilled at Christmas, we are, we are reminded just how intensely the incarnation of Christ shook the world. The meaning of Christmas goes miles deeper than family traditions, pretty lights, and a chance to refresh your depleted stockpiles. Your fam, for families, observing Advent together could be, the, could be the perfect time to rekindle the fire of family devotions or light them up for the first time. Christmas means revolution. Christmas means miracle. Christmas means that God has come for us. The King of Heaven exchanged His throne for a cradle. The Almighty swaddled Himself with vulnerability. The Creator entered into His own creation. The author put himself on the page. The infinite became an infant. The gift, sorry, the giver became the gift. Jesus arrived as Emmanuel, God with us. As Augustine said long ago, he was created of a mother whom he created. He was carried by hands that he had formed. I love that. I, Christmas is shocking. Advent is a big claim, and he deserves way more than four weeks of us saying, Lord, prepare me for this Christmas to allow it to mean something different this year than it ever has. And by doing that today, we are looking at the attribute of love, of Jesus putting on perfect love, love that has nothing, almost nothing to do with emotion, though Jesus had every great emotion, but it's action, commitment to others. And so today we claim that Advent is the coming of love into this world and that Jesus did it perfectly. And we're going to look at this Advent through the eyes of the disciple who was marred by love who was so affected by love that he never for the rest of his life stopped talking about how his master and best friend changed the world with love. And so let's pray. Let's pray for God's word and for God's spirit to be here with us, to empower the preaching of his word, the hearing of his word, and then the implementing of the word, which is everything. Because if the word doesn't change us, then what are we here for? And so let me pray. Pray for the Holy Spirit to be with us. Pray for this love to be in this church body and for us to allow the Holy Spirit room to teach us what Advent really means. So please pray with me. Jesus, I thank you for this day and I thank you for your grace, for your truth, for your love that you, Jesus, you are the embodiment of God and God is love and what that means for this world. You changed everything because you loved and came down. And so, Holy Spirit, I invite you into the preaching of your word, the reading of your word, the listening of your word, and then for us to put on the word like you did so perfectly. We love you. We dedicate ourselves to you. Thank you that you brought perfect, godly love into all of our lives. I just pray that in this Advent season, you would grant us the grace to tell more people about who you are. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let us read about love coming into the world 
through the perspective of the disciple that was most affected by this love coming here. We're going to read from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. We're going to read verse 14. We're going to skip 15 just because context is too much for us to cover today. But then 16, 17, 18. Let's read God's Word. It says this, And the Word became flesh and dwelled among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. Let us break down this word today by talking about, first, the loved disciple. I, uh, I want to start off by talking about, have you ever heard of something called a humble brag? I don't think this expression came out of the church, but the church sure has fallen in love with it, and it has sure become a part of Christianese. Uh, the humble brag is us, pious, religious, holy people, right? We have been taught our whole lives, or however long you've been in faith, that you shouldn't be too prideful. But then there are these things that we accomplish and things that we do, and we're like, well, I have to tell someone about what I just did. People need to know how awesome I am, so let me uh, clothe it on a little bit of humility and say, oh, humble brag, like, I just want to share this with you really quick. And one of the biggest flexes in the, all of Scripture, one of the biggest humble brags, was that in the Gospel, according to John, the, John the, the Gospel that is accredited to John, John is rarely mentioned by his name, but in more than one place, he is called the disciple whom Jesus loved. All right, let's just uh, appreciate how funny that might be. Let's appreciate and put ourselves in the shoes of the other apostles when they perhaps heard of this gospel starting to circulate. And like, oh, wow, really? John called himself the, the, the disciple that Jesus loved, like the beloved disciple. Like, okay, John, all right. We know that you were one of his best friends, but really, was that very necessary? I'm thinking that if I ever write a book, I might have to call it Pedro Reis the coolest, most influential, and most loved pastor in the world, right? That would, that's probably more than just a little humble brag, but I just put myself in the shoes of the other disciples hearing this for the first time. I'm like, wow, like, really, John? But when we look at scripture, and when we look at the narrative, I don't know if any of the other disciples are expressed to have been so marred by Jesus' embodiment of godly love. And we look at the story, and we see that John was consumed by love of his best friend, love of his friend who became his rabbi, who then became his master, his Messiah, who he saw resurrected from the dead. Love changed John. And for the rest of John's life, he would not shut up about the love of Christ that came and changed everything. His origin story in John chapter 1 is how the Word became flesh and love came into this world. And over and over and over again, John would not shut up about how much Jesus loved everyone. 
John wrote, John 3.16, one of the most famous passages in all of Scripture that says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. He was changed and marred by love. He also, in his epistle, in 1 John 4, verses 7 to 12, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love, who does, not love does not know God, because God is love. The only three-word descriptions of God in all of Scripture, God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him, that God manifested His love in the person of Jesus, demonstrating to the whole world and every generation after Jesus what love looks like. It looks like the person of Jesus. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent, us, and sent His Son to be the appropriation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loves, loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. Bringing in the, that love is not a feeling. Love is not a feeling. Love is commitment and action, grace in works to one another. And then in verse 19, it says, We love because He first loved us. Issuing the truth, I like, you know what? We can't love. We only love because we were loved first. It's only Jesus' love. It's only God's love. It's only the Holy Spirit's love that makes us lovely. And then even as an old man exiled onto an island in Patmos, waiting for him to die, like trying to shut him up about this Jesus, even though he said he would never stop talking about Jesus, God gives him this vision. And his vision is that in Revelations 19, uh, verses 7 to 10, is that all of human history is headed towards a marriage ceremony with Jesus. That at the end of this, like when the end comes, there's going to be this wedding festival between the Lamb and the church, between Jesus and everyone who belongs to him. I was like, this guy who was so marked by love, he saw in a vision that the, the end of all of this is this marriage, is this loving unity between Jesus and the saints. Incredible. Like, this guy would not stop talking about love, how it was incarnated, how it was manifested in the person of Jesus. And so Advent is about saying, like, wow, Love came in the most backward way, in the least expected way. And I wish I could stay here talking, but I, I've got to move on. Let's talk about love in Jesus. Just like last week when we talked about hope, right? Hope being this huge word that we actually can express very little of. And even in the, like the limitations of English, I love pizza, and I love my wife, and I love my mom. And if love in every one of those sentences means the same thing, there's a big problem there. I love my kids, but it's not the same way I love my wife. And so like, well, what do we mean by this love? Well, in one way, every page of this book 
is a demonstration of God's love because it's his story reaching down to us. It's this loving God who would not leave us in death or in darkness or in sin, but he's like, no, I love you too much, and so everything I'm going to be doing is going to be reaching out to you, is going to be in the Old Testament showing you who I am, forming a people, making covenants, fulfilling my promises, loving you, showing you grace, teaching you things, and preparing you for the coming of my Messiah. And then the Gospels come, this Messiah came, and every Gospel says that this Messiah was God himself, and he put on love, and he demonstrated God's love, because God is love. And so he came and clothed himself in every good attribute that he is, because Jesus is God, and so he loves us so perfectly. And so at the same time, love is this huge thing, but God then also teaches us what love looks like in the life of Jesus. It is not just this big abstract good vibes thing, but it's in the person of Jesus. And everything that he did demonstrates his love for us because he even came down here because of love in the first place. And so, okay, like love might be too big of a thing to talk about. But in this passage, we also see a demonstration of what it is that love comes with. Like if love caused Jesus to come and live this life, leave his throne and put on humanity, what comes with him in that demonstration of love? And let's reread verse 14. Verse 14 says this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And really quickly, I want to isolate three words here. I want to isolate the word dwelt first. This word here, dwelt, is so significant and it's so deliberate. In the Greek, this word here, dwelt, means literally, he lived in a tent among us. And the word became flesh and lived in in a tent among us, or tented with us. And because he tented with us, we see his glory. We see everything that he did, and he was full of two things, grace and truth. The word uh, here, dwelt, is this word, lived in a tent. And what John is trying to do here is remind us of the Exodus story. When God told the people, he told Moses, you know what, make, make a tent of the tabernacle. Every place that you stop, like erect this tent, and that is where my presence will be with you. That is where I will like come and my feet will touch this ground in this tent, and I will be with you. And you will have this thing pointing to you, to my presence with you, to my love, my favor, my grace, my divine power with you. And here the Gospel of John is like making it very clear in the person of Jesus is this tent. He tented with us all of who God was, all of his glory to be found in this one man, in this one body. And how this body brought grace and truth. The other two words to be isolated here. Now both of those words are way too much for us to talk about here, but let me remind us today that God's love comes with unmerited grace and an abundance of truth. Now, really quick, grace, 
uh, one a definition I want to throw out there today is his uncoerced initiative and persuasive, extravagant demonstration of care and favor for all. Like grace is this uncoerced initiative. This is God's project. This is God's movement himself caused by no one else other than his nature of being love. It's persuasive and extravagant. It is over the top. It is like time after time. It is faithful and never giving up, even though we un- no one deserves it. It is unmerited. It's this unmerited, indiscriminate, unearnable, costly love, dedication, kindness to us. It is not cheap. It is costly because it costs God His Son. And grace is just this security in the being of God to forgive every one of our sins because He is big enough to do that. And also with Jesus comes truth. And truth is nothing more abstract than what we already know that it is. It's reality, right? Jesus shapes reality. His grace is what shapes reality. So many of us have been so hurt. We have been taught to accept the fact that we don't deserve anything good. And though we don't, grace comes in the way and says, you know what? You don't. But you are going to be shaped by my love, my forgiveness, my redemption. And so God's manifesting of his love here on earth comes with grace and truth. Jesus is the one who gets to tell us what reality is, gets to tell us who we are, gets to shape us into the people that he sees us to be. In the person of Jesus, his love shines out with grace and truth. There's love in his birth, love in his teaching, love in his actions, love in his relationships. I I love this. I wish we had more time, but the last thing I want to talk about is this embodied love. I want to point us to the last verse in our passage here. It says this, No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. Uh, To me, this is so meaningful. This word here in the Greek, it's literally saying, No one has ever seen God, the only God, talking about the Father. No one has ever seen Him. Like Moses saw his backside, which has like a funny enough come up a lot this year. That was unintentional. Talking about God's backside, I was not prepared to talk about it this much this year. But as no one has ever seen the Father, He's too great, He's too holy, He's too other, He's too big for us to be around. We could not be alive in His full presence. No one has seen the Father. The only God, Jesus, who is at the Father's side, is what the English says here. But the Greek literally says the only God who is is on the Father's lap or on the Father's bosom. He has made him known. Here is like no one has seen the Father, but we've seen Jesus and he makes the Father known. His being, his manifestation of of God being here shows us what God is like. 
And I love the picture of there. To me, the picture that we need to take from that is the intimacy between even the Father and the Son. Like love, it means grace for us. It means truth for us. It means all of these great things, but it also is this intimacy with the Father that we can have. Because Jesus came from the Father's lap, like, a, like His Son sitting on His lap. Like, I love holding my son and my daughter. I love putting them on my lap. It's one of my favorite things to do. Like, Paige knows that when we are watching a show right here on this TV, I'm going to hold her. She comes and just throws herself onto my lap. And that's some of the most precious time in my day, every day. I love watching shows with them because I get to hold them. And this is like the same picture of this intimacy that we see. Love isn't just what is going on here, though. Every time love is spoken about in Scripture, it tells us to love one another. We read passages like that, right? In the first John passage, like, you cannot know love if you do not know your love your brother. Because how do you know this infinite God? How do you love this infinite God who you will never see until you pass here and then not love the brother that you or the sister that you see face to face they though that doesn't add up but then love is also this intimate being with the father this intimate relationship of knowing finding security finding love finding acceptance and that you were made by God and that He loves you no matter what. No matter what we put on, no matter the distinctions that we make here, no matter what makes me feel better about myself when I say, I have God's love and you do not. God's bigger than that. And so love in this Advent for us is this acceptance that Jesus brought in perfect love. That He is the embodiment. He is God's love because He is God. And He makes God this unknown, unseeable, uncaused causer who is so big known to us because He put on flesh just like us. And even in His little birth demonstrated how He was always going to be the sacrificial love that the Father intended. And so, church, let us know Advent this year as this intimate relationship between us and the Father. Between what God wants to do and what He can do, how He radically shaped this world with love. And to me, like, I want to use that to transition into our family meeting because I find it to be really appropriate. I find it to be really appropriate to talk about God's love and how it's not, just, it's not a feeling at all, but it's this commitment to be with His people for centuries, for millennia, shaping them, loving them, not giving up on them, though it shouldn't have even been ours in the first place. Like we deserve no covenant with Him, but He will not turn His back from us because of His loving faithfulness, because of His loyal love. And so we have gathered as this church to respond to this love. We are a collection, not of winners, not of people who have it all together, but we are this collection of people who have met his love and said, yes, I want that. That has so convicted me. Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. And so today I want to talk about how we as a church feel called to respond to this love. 
in this season, in this pandemic season, a lot of, there, we have a lot of new people. A lot of people have left and a lot of people have moved in. These last two weeks of being in church in person, I look around the room and I'm like, wow, so many faces here weren't here when all of this started. And I love that. But I, I also think that one of the unintended consequences of this pandemic was that um, to fault of no one else, if anything, it, this rests on me as, as lead pastor. Uh, we have these people here who, and, our, and a, a church as a whole, we've kind of lost sight a little bit of our vision. I, again, I'm not blaming anyone for this. But I, I feel a strong sense for us to, you know, recast our vision. Recast what it is that God has called this church to be. One of the things that I love about my story in City Life is that this, this vision was in place before I got here. I love that this isn't something that I implemented here. This isn't the Pedro movement, but no, that this is City Life, this unique body that God is forming here in Jersey City. And so what, it, what is it that He has called us to do? What is the work that He has called us to be about? And there's three simple things that guide everything that we do. God has put us here in Jersey City. He has made us a distinct people to find home, encounter Jesus, and pursue gospel change together. Find home because we live in a really unique city, a beautiful city that we love being in, a city that is mostly immigrants or mostly non-native Jersey Cityans or Jersey Cityites. I have never thought about what is the appropriate way of saying that. Of people who were born in a different part of the country or a different part of the world, like me included. And a place that is full of so many people that somehow can be a very lonely place. Find home in faith. Find home in Christ. Most importantly, that we are this place that brings people to relationship with the Father, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. And then find a place, a home to be safe in, to find healing in, to belong to, no matter what, the body of Christ, to hear the gospel, to be changed by truth in this community. That's the first part of what we are called. Find home because we belong to Him. And then encounter Jesus, not because that's second. No, that is the primary thing. Encounter the one that we call our Messiah. Everything that we do has this one question in mind. Does this serve Jesus? Does it bring people to faith in Him? Does it deepen life with Jesus? Encounter Jesus because He is still alive. He is alive in heaven. He is not dead. And He is still working even here. We can see the things that we read about that are happening around the world. We can see it here because our faith lies in someone who is alive and active and wants people to, call, to meet him, calls on people all the time. And then lastly, to pursue gospel change together. Since we believe in this God who is alive and active and wants good things and calls his people to love in action and not just in word, to bring about some change in the city, to bring about justice, righteousness, to call out evil, to change evil, to bring change 
Not by taking over the city. Not by being an army. Though that is in biblical narrative. But by being these people who are so full of the Spirit and becoming so healthy. They're like, well, what else can we do? But bring, be a part of bringing justice into this place. And so church, that is what we feel called to do. Whether you are staying online or whether you are joining us in person, that is what City Life is going to be doing. We have to remain creative, especially with our online crowd. Like, okay, how do we call you to pursue these things with us? In our in-person service, we're calling people back to serving on our teams. Hey, join us here to talk about how are we going to cast a vision for this city? How are we going to bring non-believers into faith? Like how, like God, like what are you calling us to do specifically to live out this mission? But then even online here, join one of our MCs. We are a church, we say and firmly believe that MCs are the heart of this church because we live at our faith. We don't want to just gather and talk about it on Sundays. Join an MC if you're not in one. That is the most important thing you can do to join the life of this church. And so that is what we care for. 2022, I pray, is going to be a year where, like Jesus putting on this love, we continue to learn how to do that best in the city, to grow an authentic and rich outreach for the city, to partner with our community partners that are doing the work already, to support our neighbors, to be healthy people. And so, church, uh, we love you. I thank God for you. I thank God that you're here with us. Join us, whether on per in person or continue to be online. Like, we're not going to draw that line because we take care of everyone in our community. And so let us continue to be this church that casts aside religion, casts aside unhealthy vision casting, be like, like a Lord, Lord, how do we really be this people for you? How do we really be in Jersey City and be creative with what you've called us to do? And so I, I'm running late. I'm out of time. I love you guys. We love you guys. Join our MCs. Email me, preese at citylifenj.com. want to connect with you. We want to plug you in. We want to be home. We want to bring others to home. We want to encounter Jesus. We want to pursue gospel change. That is what we're going to be doing. And um, join us. We love you. We'll see you soon.